Smartcast. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's a dangerous thing. If you don't understand things at a baseline level as a business owner and you're trying to outsource and delegate, you and I both know that that can get you into real trouble. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Do you struggle to manage your business finances effectively? In this episode, we speak with Alex Engar, co-founder of CEO Finance Academy. Alex shares insights on the importance of understanding your finances, finding the right accountant, and focusing on key performance indicators, also known as KPIs. Let's talk with Alex and learn how to take control of your finances and grow your business now. Hey, Alex, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Tyler, I am amazing now that I'm here with you, man. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you. You are cut from uh, the part of the stone that's very, very close to my heart. You're on the finance side of things. You're a financial coach for businesses. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. What is a financial coach and what do you do? Share a little bit about you. Yeah, so this is something that's very frankly, totally made up and not something I intended to do with my life. Like the, the whole term financial coach, I was not like, oh, I, wanna, I wanna be a financial coach. In fact, I have a doctorate in physical therapy but I have never treated a patient. However, I take that same kind of therapeutic approach into the business consulting that we do. And we just started finding that, like, oh, there's this big gap on the financial side. I guess we're going to coach people on finances. And so we can get into that story. But a financial coach is someone who, now as I'm defining it on the go, someone who helps business owners figure out their personal and business finances to dial in profitability so that they can create consistent financial abundance for themselves and their business. Very cool. So is this a business coach in your mind or is this more specific in the sense that it's just finances? So we started off really broadly doing more marketing and sales-based coaching actually with the businesses that we started with. And then we just started seeing that there was this trend that we could help people make as much money as they wanted, but they still didn't feel like they were financially successful or they didn't have the financial skill set to actually hold on to that money. And so the way that we approach it is it's business consulting or business coaching with a focus on the finances. And so we start with the finance, you know, because we're talking about hiring decisions, we're talking about growth decisions, but all within the lens of, well, what is it doing for us financially? So within our coaching, there's a very defined, like, here's the financial steps that we're going to take. But you and I both know that all of those steps really affect the rest of the business. And if we don't have the finances dialed in, 
what's the point of growing the business anyway? And so it is specific to financials, but it then ends up touching kind of every area of the business from marketing to sales to delivery to admin. So one thing that comes to mind as you're sharing this is I'm thinking, well, you know, some business might have a bookkeeper, yeah. they might have a CPA. How does this fit in with that? Like, are, do they still have those roles or is, I mean, where does that all fit in? Great question. I really think that... So yeah, the short answer is yes. Almost everyone we work with has a bookkeeper. They have a CPA. Sometimes they even have as far as a controller coming in, right? Depending on their size. The problem that I see, and you've probably seen this too because you come from the CPA world, is that the average CPA or the average bookkeeper's job is not necessarily to sit down and educate the business owner at a deep level about what's going on in their financials, about how much they should be taking each month as an owner's distribution about, let me sit down with you and walk you through the P&L in detail. Some of them do do that, but many of them don't. And I think business owners expect that when they hire someone. And it's like, dude, you're like one in a cog of a hundred other clients. They don't have time to sit down with you for an hour a week and explain this stuff. That's not their business model. And so we just started seeing a gap in the marketplace between these very smart business owners who were great at growing quickly. And they had even surrounded themselves with a financial team but they didn't understand anything that was going on, which means they couldn't appropriately challenge a bookkeeper when they made a mistake or couldn't appropriately help a CPA give them guidance on taxes. It's like, well, they're not being aggressive enough with you, maybe. Like, How could we be a little bit more proactive? And how can you be dangerous enough with your financial service providers to actually get the most out of working with them? Do you ever get friction from the partners where they perceive you, I hate to use this word, but maybe a threat or it doesn't, Fit right? Do you, yeah. do you ever have that happen? So I'm a I'm a people pleaser by heart, and so it pains me to like I never try to throw anyone under the bus, so to speak. Sure, there can be differences of opinion, and the cool thing is, you know, I'm not a CPA and I'm not a bookkeeper, right. and so I'll always defer to their expertise on something. And in fact, one of my favorite lines is, "Hey, this is a really good bookkeeper question. Let's go ask them this and see what they tell you." Right? And here's what they might offer you, and here's how to think about that. And so I really try to to make the cohesion between bookkeeper or accountant and business owner better and uh, and help them work better together. So there's, there's very rarely friction. However, sometimes I find that just realistically speaking, business owners aren't getting the service that they actually need. And you've probably seen this too, right? Every yeah. uh, accountant is not created equal. And sometimes there are small business owners that are working with very large accountancy firms that are working with you know multi-million dollar or $100 million companies, and they're the small fish in the water. And it's like, you know, you're not getting the attention you need. Maybe you need to go elsewhere. Or, wow, they're giving you terrible tax advice. Let's go think about if they're really the service provider for you. Because at the end of the day, if you're a business owner and you're hiring a bookkeeper or you're hiring someone to help you with tax help, you are hiring them to help you solve your problems. And if they're not doing a good job, it's just like an employee. You're welcome to, to tell them that you're going to part ways. That's not my intent when I come into the relationship with people, but sometimes that's the reality. Sure. What do you do? Does it happen often where the financial data you're getting from the bookkeeper isn't actually accurate or clean for you to be able to help them? And how do you handle that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's one of the bigger problems that we have, especially when someone works with a bookkeeper that isn't really hands-on in the business. And I don't want to... Again, it's not often the bookkeeper's fault. Like They're just right. doing their best to come in, categorize things and move on. But I find a lot of things are miscategorized under you know, cost of goods can look really bad. We just did a, an, an hour-long deep dive on how to make your P&L look the way you might want it to and what to guide your, your bookkeeper on. But one of those things is, yeah, they're either not categorizing 
things correctly. And a lot of times business owners will get very upset about that. Oh, this isn't this. I don't have it. It's like, look, it's okay. They could go recategorize this. Not a big deal. Just ask them nicely and be patient. Uh, But I often do see things missing on the balance sheet, especially where it's like they bought an asset uh, at the beginning of the year, and that's not shown up in the balance sheet. And now they're not, you know, taking the right depreciation on things because it's not showing up there. So stuff like that, I find pretty common. And again, it's no fault of the bookkeepers. It's that as business owners, we often don't know how to relay that information appropriately. It's like, oh, I didn't know that I had to tell them that this is how much I bought it for, and this is what it's worth, and and all these things, right? And so, yeah, there's there's a little bit of that just gap sometimes between what the business owner knows and what a financial service provider might know, and we try to bridge that. Yeah. And I, I would actually take it one step. And I agree with you, it's nobody's fault. Although I will say one thing, because of a lot of the tools in the accounting arena make it a lot easier to become quote unquote a bookkeeper, a lot of them, you know, truthfully really have never had any professional training. And so they may not even know what a fixed asset is or why the balance sheet, for example, if the balance sheet isn't correct, your PL can't be correct. But they don't, you know, they're just never have been trained or anyone, you know, I'm older than you, unfortunately. And so, you know, back in the day, it's like you did all this debits and credits like manually and you really had to know it inside and out. And so I think that's kind of part of the challenge too, because truthfully, I would say one in where your services are so valuable is there is this big knowledge gap between the bookkeeper really understanding how to do things correctly and then articulating, which, oh, by the way, that's even another level of of sophistication of being able to look at analytics and kind of just think through things, maybe look ahead. And then the CPA, even though I think some of them, because I know I used to run a CPA firm, you kind of want to position yourself as, you know, you're you're that person that can give that insight. But the reality is that if you can do one tax return for $3,000 in two hours, you know what I mean? Like it just... Just the numbers don't make sense at that point. Not part of the model. Yeah, so it's tough. So, so do you ever have clients or have you had a client where they come to you and you can tell they're in a cash flow crisis? Like, you know, numbers, cash is coming down. Maybe they still have enough to pay their bills. I know I've seen this. People are sitting on their PPP money, but it's just like, you know, coming down every month. How do you handle that? And what's your guidance? Yeah. And I do see that a lot. And one of the big red flags is, especially over the last two years, as people got those PPP funds, that if you have received that and you're a business owner, and let's say you got $150,000 through a PPP loan, but now you realistically only have 10K left in the bank. It's like, you know, we're covering up $150,000 of loss with that. And, and so that is a red flag to me. If they've blown through PPP money, it's like, you know, that was a short-term Band-Aid for a lot of people, but they didn't actually go change anything in the business. And so we're starting to see that now a lot where they've gone through enough time that they burned through that cash and they're back to kind of where they maybe started and nothing else has changed in their business. Or they start to lengthen the terms with their vendors, right? It's like, you know, I was on net 30 with everyone, but I'm starting to squeeze that out to net 60 on most of my ones. I'm net, you know, I'm, I'm 90 overdue with a few of them. It's like, okay, that's, that's maybe a bit of a red flag that we need to go look at. And so how do we start looking at that? Well, I think that business owners feel like, and I'll include myself in this, we feel like, we have a free reign to swipe a credit card because it's a business expense, right? And all of a sudden, we get really detached from the reality of money as business owners because there's these huge sums flying everywhere. And if payroll's 50,000, well, it doesn't matter if I spend 2K on this because I'm, you know, 50 is going to be going out the door over here. And so, one of the very first things is just to shine a light on the finances themselves. And I call it taking your head out of the sand. And this is something that I went through as a, an early business owner too, where it was like, you know, we were just growing head down, money was coming in. And I didn't realize all the money that was going out and I wasn't actually paying attention to it. So that's really the first thing is just start looking at it. And just the fact of 
being aware of what's happening will often change your, your habits so that you're starting to be more critical about what you're spending. So that's, that's step one is take your head out of the sand, start looking at your numbers. A lot of times people don't know what to look at. And so what I always start with in our process that we take people through is first start with what do you actually need the business to pay you as the owner? Because that determines a lot of the decisions that you're going to make. So I actually have people start with personal finances and figure out, we call it their, their core salary. What do you actually need to take home every month to be good? And I find that a lot of business owners who are in a really emotional state with their money are that way because things at home aren't going well financially. And so that drives a lot of the nervous energy and short-term decision-making in the business. And so we start there. And then if we can see that, you know, maybe I have a spouse that's bringing in 3000 a month. And as a family, we need a total of 9K take-home. So now, okay, I really need 6K from the business. So we put that in, in terms of what do I need to do first? And now we can go start looking at what is the business spending, right? And there's a few different kinds of expenses that get out of hand. The first ones that we just call baseline burn are all the expenses that you're going to have every single month that you just know, you know, whether or not you increase sales by 2x or not, like those, those expenses are going to be there. So stuff like rent, stuff like insurance, stuff like uh, maybe it's admin payroll, right? Those baseline things, we have everyone list them out. And so again, it's just forcing you to look at what is actually coming out of the bank account. And a lot of times, just going through that process, people will find things that they didn't even know were leaving every single month. Because you, you start looking at a P&L and you know how this is, right? If you go look at your profit and loss statement, things get lumped together. And it's really easy for smaller things or even larger things to get lumped in there and you not realize that, oh, <laughs> I was spending a thousand bucks a month on that. I have people all the time find that they are getting double charged for utilities or that they were, you know, some some expense had been put, you know, maybe it was a trial, a free trial that they had. And now it's been going for six months. They didn't realize that they were paying for it. And so those are the very first quick wins that we can get to start reducing that burn. And then we can get into looking at things like, well, let's look at your, your margins and see for every thing that we sell, how much are you keeping on that? And we can look at your different offers or different products and see, gosh, we've got a couple products where we're only making a 10% gross margin. And we've got others that we're making 50%. Maybe we should focus all our efforts on just selling the things that are bringing in the higher margin and cut the other ones. And so that's where we start as we start turning things around. And uh, that was a long answer to a short question. No, that's a great answer. Do you consider yourself also a fractional CFO or do you see a difference between those two? I see us as the piece that allows a business owner to understand their finances at the level that they need to in order to be able to successfully work with someday a true fractional CFO. Got so it. we see ourselves more in an education and consulting role than the fractional CFO role. Now, people do choose to keep working with us over a long term. So in that sense, we do kind of act as a longer term fractional CFO. But a lot of times, business owners that we're working with aren't at the point where they can afford CFO level expenses, right? Like they, they can't... And they probably shouldn't yet because they aren't at the point where they understand the financials well enough to be able to outsource some of that stuff. And that's a dangerous thing. If you don't understand things at a baseline level as a business owner and you're trying to outsource and delegate, you and I both know that that can get you into real trouble. And so that's where we kind of fill that gap. I love that. That's so cool. You know, speaking to your point about not being aware of expenses or just paying things, I uh, met with a client actually just before our, our, our discussion here, and we were going over their budget. We set up a budget for them. We were going over the first month of their budget for January. And the guy was just so happy because 
he had worked with the same insurance broker for many years, probably five to 10 years. I don't know how long. And he just has always just renewed with them all his business insurance. And he decided to put it out to bid on the renewal and he actually cut it down. It's a decent sized business, cut it down by $50,000 a year. I mean, that's not small money just by paying the same person, the same broker and never really get an evaluation of other bids. And it's the same policy. I mean, it's different, obviously different insurer, but the same policy. And so it's, it is amazing when you, I could see the value you guys add by just going through these expenses and bringing awareness and asking these questions. It can have a big impact. Are you bigger on, it sounds like you go for the quick hit. So you kind of, kind of look for, you know, expense areas that we can reduce, but is it in your mind really about reducing the expenses or is it also helping them raise the revenue with better profit margin? Where, where do you most like to focus when we're talking about trying to improve a client? Yeah. So I'll say that we have an early focus on the expenses because those are quick wins and we can have a quicker turnaround on actual cash flow, right? Many times people are coming to us either because cash flow is, is tight. Or on the other hand, because they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. But I'll say that I think, can, and from our sort of ethos, it's you have to do both, right? You have to look at the expense side. But then I feel like the fun side is, is in how can we grow revenue, right? How can we grow on that side of the line? That's more fun to me. The dirty work, the stuff that people don't want to do is on the expenses. And so that's why it's like, all right, let's have someone hold you accountable to doing that stuff you don't want. And now we can free up bandwidth and brain space and cash flow to go do the fun growth side. And so I much prefer to sit on the growth side. That's fun, man. When it's like, okay, we are cruising, we're cranking now. How do we blow this thing up? It's like, sweet. We know all our metrics around your paid advertising. Wonderful. Let's go turn up the dial on that guy. But then we're going to hit a bottleneck if we double our, our client load. Let's go look at what's the bottleneck that's going to come. How can we plan for that higher now as we're starting to crank up over here and improve throughput on the whole system? That stuff is the fun thing. And me and most business owners prefer to sit there. We just have to address the expense side as well. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. That stuff is the fun thing. And me and most business owners prefer to sit there. We just have to address the the expense side as well. 
Right. You just mentioned the term metrics. Where does that play in as far as both your services and then a typical business owner? Do you help them define those metrics or those metrics usually they come to the table with? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So the challenge with that is, and for you listening, you you probably don't actually care what we do. You care about how does this apply to you? So each business industry is different in terms of what metrics they need to measure. And so uh, because we work with a wide variety of different businesses, we're figuring that out together of which ones actually matter for your business. So for example, it's really easy for me to come in and see what is it that will help this business win. So for, for a lot of businesses, it's simply you need to collect your accounts receivable within 30 days or this business will sink. Like That is how you win in this business. So then our key metric is actually going to be outstanding AR outside of 30 days. Right? Like That's going to be one of our key metrics. So I'm looking for what are the what is the smallest amount of data that we can measure that will have the greatest impact on the business? And I don't know if you've ever heard of Four Disciplines of Execution. It's a great book, by the way. If people haven't read that and you're running a team, you should absolutely read that. So I, I like to look for what are the key lead indicators, the things that I have full control over that I can measure and know that that will have the greatest output uh, effect on my out, the output of my business. So we're looking for those kinds of things. Because man, you know, there's a million and a half KPIs we could measure. Right. And most businesses that do measure that volume of you know, all the things, they aren't actually looking at them or using them. And so I would prefer to go find what's the smallest set of key things that I actually need to measure that will have the impact on my business. And so we are finding those things together. And then we build out custom dashboards to go measure that. And the biggest thing, honestly, is just having someone to hold you accountable to go measure those things and stick with it. And so that's why kind of the coaching role of what we do is accountability. So if you don't have someone like us in your corner, then you might have a business manager or you might even have a spouse or someone in your business that can hold you accountable to measuring that stuff. Get that person to hold you accountable on a weekly basis to measure the things that actually matter. And then we, we put it all in spreadsheets and dashboards to go look at the growth of things. And we can see, am I trending up or am I trending down? And I care less about where am I at right now. And I care more about what's the trend because the trends really matter in business, right? If we're losing money today, well, that might suck. But I want to know, am I losing less money than I was last month? right? And am I, or am I digging out of a debt hole? And so I'll have clients all the time. And I think this is the funniest thing. You didn't ask this, but I think this is the most interesting thing about us as business owners. We're so emotional about the business. right? And we feel like, oh, you know, it's not where I want it to be yet. So I'm a terrible entrepreneur. Things are going terribly and I'm, I'm going to be unhappy with it. And I'm going to be stressed. And I'm going to take that home. The thing is, I feel like we get so much freedom from judging our progress and how we're doing Again, based on the numbers. And it's so funny to me. We sit down every month and we do a full monthly review of the PL and what happened. And I'll have people come into that. And I always ask this question first and they don't realize it. But I always ask, hey, how do you feel like last month went? And we're judging, how do you feel about things? And it's, oh, you know, it was a rough month because X, Y, or Z thing happened, right? But then when we go look at the numbers, it's so funny to me. You know, we'll have a great month. It's like, you just had an incredible month. I had someone yesterday. They made as much money last month as they had made in the first four months of last year. It's like, do you realize that you just had four months of financial progress squozing into one month and you felt like it was a crappy month? What are you talking about? And so I love to to reframe, how should I feel about the business based off of what's actually happening? And what do the numbers bear out instead of just, oh, I, I had these fires burning and it's stressful. 
Yeah. That third party independent view has so much power because you're not emotionally attached. You're not an employee of the company. So not only can you say things that can help them grow and hold them accountable, which, you know, an employee or staff member can't really hold the owner accountable. So it gives you that, that, that power to do that, but also the objectiveness of just seeing that four months, you know, you basically did in one month. I mean, that is so cool. That's so powerful. Hey, what is something, and you may have already answered this in a different way, but I'm going to try, hopefully there's some other stuff here. What are common financial mistakes that you see business owners make? Like, are there a certain, certain things that come up? Yeah. So I'll give a really concrete one that I see not happening. And again, it ties back to the bookkeeper question. Then we'll look at some activities and things. I see a lot of businesses lately that should pay sales tax or, or do pay sales tax for something. So they might have a state sales tax, right? And that's actually getting put on their books wrong. So for example, and you've probably seen this too, where it's like, you know, if I'm reporting that sales tax income as sales, and this happens a lot where let's say that I use QuickBooks for payment processing, and I'm collecting both sales tax and my primary income from that, and then that lump sum gets directly deposited into my bank account. Maybe my bookkeeper is only looking at money that hits my bank account. And so they don't see that there's a split out of some of that sales tax. So they're counting that as revenue, but then they're not counting it later down on the profit and loss statement as an expense. So I see people getting double taxed like that. I've, I've had that pop up multiple times in the last couple of months. And it's a simple question to ask your bookkeeper. Hey, are we accounting for, for sales tax in here? Is that, is that managed right? Um, so that's, that's a really common mistake that costs people thousands of dollars. The second one that I see, and I know that this is a, a very... Uh, opinionated topic, but the whole S-Corp thing. I see a lot of people whose accounts I don't think are nearly aggressive enough with helping people decide to move to the S-Corp designation if they're a simple LLC. And they'll say, oh, you know, you only made 100000 this year. And it's like, you know, when you look at those numbers, if you take out the right amount of salary for that, you're going to save like four to $7,000 this year. This could be a huge thing. So I think that there's a lot of just not understanding taxes and because you don't understand taxes, you get taken advantage of a lot. And so this was the very first mistake that I made as a business owner. I did not understand how business taxes worked. And when I made our first really big lump of money, I realized very quickly, I had not been saving for taxes. I had no clue how that worked. I didn't know if I paid them, if the business paid them. I remember, in fact, it was so funny. The very first year we had an accountant, you know, I had someone finally preparing my taxes for me and I wasn't doing it in TurboTax. The accountant sent me the, the numbers and he said, here's what you need to pay. And I was like, so you, you pay this for me, right? I'm telling you to pay the... Like, I hired you to, to help me with taxes. He's like, oh no, you need to pay this. And I was like, I've never paid tax. I just use TurboTax, man. How do I do this? And that was the moment when I realized business owners are not given some great manual to help them understand finances. And it's, it was on me to figure this stuff out because everyone else assumed that I just knew. And so that's the... I, I would say the very first thing is taxes... The second one is just assuming that everyone else is going to tell you what's going on and they're going to keep you informed and up to date. And, and really, if you hire the right people, they may, right? If you hire, I'm sure that when people hired you, Tyler, you were on top of things and you helped people understand what they needed to know. But a lot of CPAs aren't going to have that level of care or understanding. And so it is up to you to understand finances in the business. And then it's up to you to decide, like, you have to decide as the owner, how much am I going to pay myself this month? Right? What am I going to take out of the business? And I see a lot of people not keeping in balance personal financial need with business financial need. And so that's the, the last mistake that I'll put out there is 
people will just give and give and give to the business while completely draining their personal side or vice versa. But I, I don't see people balancing the needs of their personal finances with the needs of the business. And they're both equally important, right? If I can't pay rent on the business or I can't pay rent on the personal side, like which is worse? I don't know. They both really matter, right? And so just taking into account what you need personally. Right. Good stuff. A couple of anecdotal things on what you just said. Sales tax, another one too, is Shopify. Like I see a lot of times people that use Shopify, if you don't set it up for different states and cities, and you can really kind of, that carries over into QuickBooks all funky. And there's a lot of duplicate stuff that can happen. So that that's a great one. On the S Corp, I will tell you, I'm kind of in the middle of the road on this. Now, I'm not as up to date on uh, if there's been changes over the last five years. And by no means is this tax tax advice in any way. But one thing that you do have to, on S-Corps, have to be a little worried or a little concerned about is you're supposed to take a reasonable salary as an S-Corp. And I think it's a little undefined. In fact, it's not even really logical because as an owner, a reasonable salary would be a lot higher than what typically gets put on an S-Corp. So I do, I have always been cautious in terms of, I think sometimes, you know, CPAs are bound to uh, doing tax returns as accurate as possible. So sometimes if you're taking an egregiously low amount, it does potentially open the taxpayer up to audit. Now, as a practical matter, I don't know if that's actually happening, but that is part of what the code says. So I think that's where, sorry to get so off on a geeky point here, but that's the one area where I think sometimes CPAs are a little conservative. But I do agree, uh, I agree with actually everything you said. One other thing I agree with really passionately is even though a CPA is doing your taxes, it's still your responsibility to really understand what's happening. And I think a lot of times it's a mistake. We think we hire a CPA or an EA or whatever they are, and we just feel like, okay, well, that means we don't have to think about it. And that's probably the biggest mistake. One of the biggest mistakes I think business owners make, they just don't still realize they have to understand it, just like their financials. You still need to understand your financials. It doesn't, because you have a bookkeeper, it doesn't let you free of that. You still have to have some level of understanding. One other question on this, along these lines, how do you deal with or do you deal with, do you have issues with dealing with accrual versus cash basis methods of counting? And how do you look at that? Or do you just say, hey, always look at a cash basis? Or do you try to get it more on an accrual basis? Yeah. So this is such a good question. It's actually something that I encountered this week where we had a client who in their business, they use accrual basis accounting, which means that they're looking at, you know, well, what, what am I billing out versus what am I collecting? Let's make sure that those are all tied together, not necessarily what's hitting my bank account. Oh, thank you. I just got delivered some incredible breakfast from my daughter. <laughs> nice. Thank you, sweetheart. I love that. So... I do find that there are problems and and most business owners don't understand the difference between the two. And we won't get into that now, but I do see that people have trouble when they are filing their taxes in one way, but they're looking at their P&L in another way. And so, for example, I think that it makes sense for a lot of business owners to look at profit margins and profitability on an accrual basis. That gives you a better sense of things, especially month to month. Over the course of a year, it might not matter as much. But month to month, it does make more sense to look at things in an accrual basis for a lot of businesses. But then again, the problem becomes, I don't see cash as much there, right? Like I I don't get a sense of what actually went in and out of my bank account. And so if someone is looking at accrual basis accounting and doing that for their P&L, then we still have to look at the cash anyway. And so we'll look at almost more of a balance sheet approach or a cash flow approach to, I still need to make decisions based off what's in my account, right? (laughs) I can't say, oh, I'm going to pay, you know, accrual looks great. I'm doing wonderfully. I'm paying myself this huge extra owner's distribution, but the money's not there. And so we have to mix those two. But I do find problems. And this is 
something that I would absolutely go take the time to either ask your accountant right now or go look at your tax forms yourself. Go look at, usually it's under your Schedule C. And I know this is really nerdy, but where you're filing taxes on your Schedule C, there's a little box that says, how are you filing taxes as a business owner? Under what basis? Is it cash or accrual? There's a little box to check there. If it's cash basis, then I'm making a decision on a monthly, at a monthly look, how much do I need to save for taxes based off cash basis? Even if I'm using a cruel basis to do all the rest of my accounting. And so in some cases, it does make sense to look at both. And uh, I just find that a lot of accountants don't look at that with, or bookkeepers don't, don't mention that. And so I had this guy that just had no clue how to think about his taxes. And we were only looking at a cruel basis and said, you know what, let's, let's pause. How are you filing your taxes? And you can't just go change that willy nilly with the IRS, there are rules around that. But that's, that's a long-winded answer again to a short question that you got to look out for that one. Yeah, that's great. And the common triggers are accounts receivable, if you have accounts receivable, inventory and accounts payable. So if you have those three in your business, that's oftentimes where you might use accrual for financial presentation and potentially for tax, depending on the scenario. So that, that's really good. That's awesome answer. Hey, I know I'm coming up on my time. I got a couple more I want to ask you. I'd love to know, do you have a success story? And obviously don't include client name, but do you have a success story of how someone that's come to you and then you've worked with them, a business owner in terms of when they came and where they're at either now or at the end of the journey of how you helped them? No, we don't. No, no success story. <laughs> I know you only have like 10,000 testimonials. No, no, yeah. you, just, you just want me to read one of the testimonials on your <laughs> yeah, webpage? You just go, go on the webpage, go down to the bottom and look at them. All. No, I'll, I'll tell you the one that is one of the most meaningful, which is the reason that we're doing the financial stuff that we're doing now. I mentioned to you that we started off actually in the healthcare realm and because we're physical therapists ourselves, we started off with a lot of healthcare providers and then online coaches as we grew. And we had a guy, we got really good at helping people make money, really good at the marketing side, at the sales side, at creating offers. And so we had a client that we had worked with on a sort of business growth consulting side, not the financial side yet, quite a few years ago. And we had helped to make about an extra $100,000 over three months in his business. This was a big deal. And we were sitting down in Florida at lunch and you know, we were kind of celebrating the fact that he had totally killed this. And I said, man, how does it feel to have made that much? He said, you know, it feels great, but my finances are still such a mess. And I was like, what? How, how can it be a mess? You have so much cash. What are you talking about? And he said, well, Alex, I'm using most of this cash to pay for my tax bill from last year. And that broke my brain. I was like, whoa, what? And he said, yeah, I, I've never told anyone this. And I don't really even talk to my wife about this, but I don't usually save taxes throughout the year. And then I just figure out what I'm going to owe. And the first three months of the year, all that money goes to paying taxes. And that was the like breaking moment for me where I realized that we can't just get away with helping people make more money. That doesn't give them the level of abundance that they're really looking for in their business. And so when that happened, I said, dude, we got to sit down and talk about this. Because I had figured this all out for myself. And I was managing all the finances. I've always done that kind of nerdily for ourselves. And so we started sitting down having this conversation said, okay, are you willing to do things differently? And that's a question that's really important for you listening on this podcast right now. If you're in a spot where you're not happy and you don't like your financial situation or you know it could be better, are you willing to do something differently? And so he said, dude, I'll do whatever it takes. Like I'm, I'm all ears. Let's go. So we restructured how he managed his money. We restructured how he was taking owner's pay, how he, cause he was just pulling everything that was left over owner's pay, owner's pay, owner's pay, and no tax savings. And so we just got a system together. We put some discipline in place and just a process for how we deal with money. And then the next year, about a year later, I just caught up with him on the phone. I said, man, how are things doing? He said, dude, I am so glad we got all that stuff set up. 
You wouldn't believe it. We have X amount of money in the bank account now to go take a vacation as owners because he has a business partner. So they went and took a vacation as owners with all the extra stuff they had saved up. They were taking a consistent salary now. So his wife was really happy and he didn't have a surprise tax bill, which was the biggest win for him. And so it's just stuff like that where it's like, let's do some small changes now because they aren't life-changing, like huge shifts. It's actually pretty small stuff now that sets you on a three-degree different course that a year, two years, three years from now will make a huge difference. And that's the kind of stuff that we're ultimately looking for. Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, once you fall into that trap of being behind in your tax payments, it's really hard because if you make money in the new year, now you owe tax on that money, but you're using the money to pay the prior tax. And it's just, it just keeps snowballing. And so to get them out of that, that's like, it is life-changing, frankly. That's a pretty big deal. So wow, cool, good story. Hey, I always like to end with this last question. Is there something like a business or a life tip that you've learned along the way in your journey that you could share with us? Anything come to mind? Yeah, you asked me this before we started recording. I thought, man, there are so many things that I've learned because I've done them so stupidly along the way. And I'll just say the one that I feel like has changed things the most is how I've my mindset around stewardship and that I am a steward over what I've been given both in my family, in my friendships, and in the business. And it's something that for a long time, I just thought that to grow a business meant that I just need to have my head down, go make sales, connect with people. And like that that's how I was going to be successful. Or that to be successful at home just meant I was going to you know, show up and, and spend time and that would, that would take care of it. And I've, I've really tried to adopt this principle of being a steward over what I've been given. And, and what that means to me is recognizing that the things that I have in my life are not created because I made them. They're given to me and I am a steward over them. And it is my responsibility to take good care of those things. And I feel like as a business owner, you are a steward over not only the finances, but you're a steward over your team members. They have come into the fold, so to speak, into your business and they're putting forth a large amount of their effort, time, energy, and attention into growing something that you've had a vision for. And we have a stewardship to cultivate those individuals and to grow them and help them have experiences and opportunities to become better versions of themselves, etc. So this principle of stewardship really started hitting me when I was a dad for the first time. It's like, oh crap. <laughs> Whoa. There's a lot of responsibility going on here. This is someone else's life that I'm being trusted to help you know, curate them along this path to being a successful human. And I think that we need to take that same look at life into our business and, and because we're here talking about finances with our finances. And if we don't do that, then guess what? We're not blessed with an increase, right? We're not going to be getting more. If, if everything's just flying out the window as soon as it's coming in and I am a poor steward, why then would I ever be given the opportunity to have more? So that's that's the big thing that I've had to come to terms with as a business owner is that I have to have the same level of stewardship with my business that I might with my kids and my relationship with my wife. And that has to translate over into the business as well. Great stuff, Alex. I like that. Hey, so I'll put this in the show notes at thinktyler.com. Your website is ceofinanceacademy.com. Once again, ceofinanceacademy.com. Love having you on the show. You're awesome. You're fun to listen to. Uh, hopefully you'll come back in the future. Just thanks again. And I hope to talk with you again. Thank you, my man. Had a fun time with it. You're great. Take care, Alex. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. 
If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there.